entrepreneurs were rooting ourselves in love and purpose. How do we build a sustainable venture to enable people to flourish? Any use of money is simply to serve this God on whom we are completely dependent. The only legacy that I care about is Jesus Christ. I don't care about my legacy. Jesus could kneel down and clean the feet of his disciples. If he can do that, he is God. Who are we? Entrepreneurship is changing Asia from within. Leaders across industries are taking up their God-given call to create. We are excited to highlight the many stories of what God is doing throughout our region. We will also feature entrepreneurs from around the world who have important things to say, no matter where they call home. Come for the content. Stay for the community. Welcome to Faith Driven Entrepreneur. Welcome back to the Faith Driven Entrepreneur Asia podcast, where we spotlight entrepreneurs and innovators shaping the marketplace in our region. This week, we're talking with Dr. Suparno Adijanto. Dr. Adijanto has gotten used to adapting. As the managing director of Bumi Raya Group, he oversees businesses in a variety of fields, including mining, plantation, renewal energies, supply chain and distribution, and property development. But there is a constant in the midst of all this variety, his passion for stewarding what God places in front of him. Dr. Adijanto cares deeply about creating a sustainable future, not just in business, but in God's creation. He works in areas of creation care and environmental impact and leads the next generation of leaders to doing the same. He joins us today to talk about stewardship, generosity, and the value of loving the future. Welcome back to the Faith Driven Entrepreneur Asia Pacific podcast. My name's Wen, and it's a pleasure to co-host this podcast with my co-host, Henry Kaysner. Wen, it's so great to be with you. Thank you for having me as your co-host. And tonight is a, uh, it's tonight for me, it's this morning for you, is a really special edition. We're going to be interviewing a good friend of mine who I've known for more than a decade as we at Sovereign's Capital, which is the investment fund that we started that invests in faith-driven entrepreneurs, when we got started, we were really interested in the Asia-Pacific region. And we went to a whole bunch of different countries. But it was in Indonesia and Jakarta that we got such a warm welcome from men and women of faith that were already successful in the marketplace who said, we get what you do. We want to help you any way we can. And chief among them was Saparno Adianto, who we have on the podcast today. So tonight's a, a special one for me. Yeah, welcome, Saparno. Great to have you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So for those who don't know much about Saparno, I thought maybe we'll just start kind of talking about your career. Um, so you work in Indonesia with GPR Holdings, but actually you grew up and you were educated in London and then the U.S., and I'm sure it was kind of very culturally different to come back to Indonesia and work. So what was that like, the transition, and what are the cultural experiences you've experienced in this area? Yeah, let me just go back a little bit further. I was sure. actually born in a town called Pontianak, which is exactly right on the equator. There's probably just three cities, which is right on the equator. You have uh, Quito in Ecuador, you have Entebbe in uh, Uganda, and then you have Pontianak. You know, so what we like to do is we like to stand in you know, a one feet uh, north of the equator and one feet south of the that equator. That is cool. <laughs> I did not know that. I learned something new. And then when you have the water, 
so north of the equator, I think it goes like, you know, if you're in a, mm-hmm. a cup or something, it'll the water flows like clockwise and south it goes anti-clockwise. <laughs> so these are some of the tricks that we learned uh, when we were young. But I left there when Wait I... Wait a second. Hold on. So what happens? How does the water go down the drain? Yeah, I mean, it's it basically, if you flush or something, you know, it either yeah. goes around, uh, clockwise or it goes anti-clockwise. Oh, anti-clockwise. But, but if you're on the equator, does it just kind of like all just go down and does it spin at all? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. <laughs> what do you mean you don't know? You grew up on the equator. <laughs> I mean, it's a line, you see. So north, if it's north, it goes the other way. South, it goes... Even if it's just by a couple inches. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you that's know, that's, that's one line, you see. <laughs> that's fascinating. Okay, I'm sure that this is what our audience wanted to tune in for. <laughs> Fun facts. <laughs> yeah. But go on to Pano. Okay. So we left, and I was in Singapore for about 10 years before studying in London. And after that, you know, worked for about two years before going back to study again uh, in Atlanta, Georgia, actually. So one of the things that I've learned is that when I came back, uh, actually, I came back twice, once after my MBA and the other time after my PhD. I became a believer in London when I was 17 years old. So transitionally, it's a little bit tough because you know I do not know any Christians in Indonesia. So coming back, I was uh, with a group of believers and we we're just asking ourselves, you know, how can we find somebody to mentor us? And so they come up with a few names, but somebody will say, no, this guy is not suitable. That guy is not, you know, for whatever reason. And so ended up, even after a year, we couldn't find somebody to be our role model, to mentor us. Yeah, so it was actually very tough because uh, during those times, Indonesia was ranked one of the most corrupted nations on earth with the Transparency International. Mm. Uh, well, over the years, uh, we have climbed up the ranking. So now we are middle in terms of corruption. Well, some Singaporeans uh, would say that we bribe, you know, the people who rank the survey <laughs> so that we That's go funny. up the ranking. But anyway, the country at that time was uh, quite bad, was quite corrupted. And so it's actually very easy for believers who were born again overseas coming back, you know, to remain faithful, uh, to be strong in their faith. How did that work? Tell us about the family you grew up in and just the reception that you had as you go away. You know, so many people when they go away to school, you know, they get acquainted with new ideas. How was the reception of your family when you came back and said, I've got this newfound faith? My family, they are quite okay. I mean, you know, I remember some of my friends, you know, when their family don't mind when they, you know, go to church. But the moment they want to get baptized, that's when there's a lot of resistance. My father and my mother, they are quite open. So I suppose uh, I didn't get any family opposition. Uh, but again, coming back, by the grace of God, you know, God brought a godly man from the navigators you know, to come to Indonesia as a ministry to mentor young men and women, uh, well, mainly young men, into how to integrate their faith with their business. Yeah. So there are so many different things that one and I want to explore with you. I want to talk about sustainability. I want to talk about your work at Crown Financial. But let's start off with the sustainability because while you have a number of different investing projects and ministry projects that you're very involved in, the root of your business, the family business, revolves around land in some capacity. And so you're just in a great position to talk to us about sustainability and what that looks like as you're the managing director of Bumiraya and it deals with mining and plantation and re- renewable energy, supply chain, distribution, development, et cetera. Tell us a bit about that work 
what drew you there and how you're thinking about sustainability. Yeah, actually, my family business, we started, you know, being, being in uh, Kalimantan, which is the big island of Indonesia. We have a lot of resources there, that, you know, lots of uh, forest land, lots of uh, agriculture land, uh, minerals and so forth. So naturally, my father, he started business uh, doing like crumb rubber and timber and then into uh, palm oil business. So my thoughts on this is, it is important for us to be sustainable, but we also have to be thinking in terms of the food supply. For example, in the palm oil plantation, there's uh, quite a lot of opposition to, you know, to people growing palm oil. But yeah. on the other hand, some of the industry people, even in Europe, they were telling us that if we stop growing palm oil, then the world will be full of hungry people. You know, the food price will go up, you know, by how many times and so forth. So it is important for us to continue to be doing what we are doing. But I believe we can do it better in a sense that we can increase the yield. We can do our parts, you know, to protect the environment. As you know, yeah, we are in the, you know, palm oil business, uh, palm oil plantation. And so it is important while protecting the environment for us to make sure that you know we are able to supply enough food for the world population. Otherwise, if the industry is uh, shut down or even if the yield is reduced and with annual increase of population, then you will see you know, quite a big jump in food inflation. And so what we do in the palm oil business in the sense of sustainability is we try to get the best yield that we can from the existing land. So let's say previously we are able to get 16 ton per hectare. Now we try to get like 26 to 30 ton so that we do not need to do new planting on new areas. But it's important for us to keep improving in the land and in our business. Because, you know, otherwise, if you shut it down completely, then uh, there'll be a lot of problems with food inflation. The other thing we do is also in coal mining. So one thing we can do is we can make sure that our coal is uh, clean, you know, the, the sulfur and the ash uh, content. In fact, we brand our coal as an environmental coal and we sell them quite a bit to India where their coal a lot dirtier. And so when they mix our coal with their coal, hopefully, you know, they are able to protect the environment because uh, no matter what, I think for the foreseeable future, coal and uh, palm oil, you know, those are still needed. So what we do is uh, we look after what we can do ourselves in terms of improving our plantation, improving our coal mines, and we leave the scientists, you know, to sort out the other solution. And if they're able to do their job, then, you know, we'll be out of business. And that's okay. Then we move on from there. Yeah. But uh, for the time being, been make a steward of the things that we've been given. What we try to do is we try to make as best use as we can of what God has entrusted to us. So Soprano, I know that you've done some mentoring. So this is something that you've become acquainted with because you were mentored in your faith by the gentleman you talked about from the Navigators. You're in these industries that have a lot of negative press, palm oil and coal are these two industries that tend not to be looked at very much. And you're trying to find sustainability within those industries. And then you're also mentoring, teaching others to do the same. Can you talk a bit about what you've done in terms of coming alongside a younger generation in your industry and just what that looks like for you and how you mentor these young leaders in the idea of stewardship? Yeah, sure. You know, like I said, when I first returned, we couldn't find a mentor. And so I realized 
just how important mentoring is. And right now we have a ministry that I'm involved with. Uh, it's called Resource Global, where we seek to mentor young, you know, next generation leaders. Yeah. So one of the things we do is this, and I realized this uh, from a Singapore friend is that they say sometimes when people became believers when they get into the workplace and when they get married, you sometimes you don't see them throughout like 10 years, 15 years. They call that the bathtub phenomena. You know, the bathtub, you know, you go in and then you come. And the fear is that if we are not careful, they may not even emerge from the bathtub, you know. So there's a book called Half Time that talks about uh, helping people to find significance in the second half of their life. So basically what we try to do is we try to get people, you know, not to have this half-time experience. Yeah? Because why do they need to waste like 15 years of their life if we can prevent that? So if we can get them when they're entering into the workplace, we can mentor them so that all the while, you know, they can be always, you know, faithful to the Lord, on fire for the Lord and not have to like, having this experience where we don't see them you know, for 10, 15, 20 years. Because those are also very dangerous experiences. Who is to say that they would resurface as believers? You know, Some of them could even be shipwrecked. So if we are able to get them when they're young, you know, mentor them, and they can use this 10, 15, 20 years very fruitfully. You know? So uh, that's what we try to do. Yeah, that sounds great. And it seems like you also are involved in another one, KEA, working with entrepreneurs. Can you talk to us a bit more about what KEA does? So uh, Kingdom Entrepreneurship Academy. Yes, yes. Uh, I'm one of the co-founders there. And so what we try to do is that we know that entrepreneurship is tough in Indonesia. You know, many times there's a lot of holes that people can fall into. And so we try to ground them. We try to get people who be able to mentor them. We try to get them, you know, to write about their business and we try to get fundings for them. Increasingly now, uh, we are focusing more on mentoring. In fact, the other day, somebody was telling me, he said, why do you spend so much time mentoring me? I say, well, actually, I was just thinking about what are the things that last for eternity, and actually, you know, mentoring you give the best return for me, you know, from the point of eternity. I mean, I could go out and make, you know, a few hundred, you know, thousand more dollars or whatever. But, you know, those things will come to pass, right? Those things. But then the time that I spent, you know, mentoring you, I think those things will last for eternity. After all, you know, somebody when I was younger, you know, actually mentored me as well. So I feel that this is the time that is best spent, so at KEA, that's what we try to do. We try to mentor young entrepreneurs so that they could become a role model. They could, through their faith, their integration of their faith and work, be able to show that indeed Christ is risen and indeed that God the Father sent our Lord Jesus Christ to come to earth. Well, KEA is such a great, great organization, and not just because you've partnered with us and you all hosted so many Faith Driven Entrepreneur courses, and Tommy does such a great job in leadership with KEA, but you've also done a great job of just creating an alternate dialogue, if you will, among Faith Driven Entrepreneurs in Jakarta about how they see their faith integrating into their work. 
many of our listeners are going to be really familiar with Indonesia. Hopefully 30 or 40% of our listeners are from Indonesia because we've had such great relationships there. But for those of our audience who have not been familiar with Indonesia, maybe they haven't done business there, maybe they haven't invested there. Tell us about what is unique about Indonesia. Sell Indonesia a little bit here to a, say, maybe a regional investor or somebody who's looking to do business in Indonesia. What is it that most people might miss about investing and working there? I mean, all of you know that, you know, Indonesia, I think at the moment, in terms of GDP, we are like ranked number 15 in the world. But uh, McKenzie and some of the other advisory bodies are saying that by 2030, 2035, we could probably be the like the sixth or the seventh largest economy in the world. So there's lots of wow. opportunities. At the moment, there are still a lot of gaps. In fact, one of my life verse is uh, from Isaiah 57, verse 14, that talks about building up, you know, prepare the way and removing obstacles from my people's way. I see Indonesia as a huge potential that has, you know, still many roads needs to be built and many obstacles uh, are still there that needs to be removed. So, you know, when there's problems, there's always opportunities. And so I truly believe that for somebody, you know, who has a vision to love their neighbors and to serve them, Definitely, we have 275 million people that's waiting for you to serve them. So it's a huge, huge market and it's growing like 5 6% every year. So yeah, praise the Lord and uh, things are getting better too. We have a good government who is you know, tackling uh, corruption and uh, building infrastructures and basically doing all the right things. Yeah. And so how about any advice in terms of mistakes that you've seen? you know, whether it's investors or entrepreneurs wanting to do something in Indonesia? I think sometimes what people do is they cater to the market that they know. Yeah, so in this case, they cater to the top 10%, you know, the upper middle class, the wealthy. Whereas in Indonesia, there's so many people who are like, you know, like the 80% who are lower middle class and the poor. And these are the people that standard of living is going up, you know, incredibly. And so every year we have so many new people coming into the middle class. So I suppose if one is able to focus on how they can help the poor or the people who are not marketed and that the big multinationals are not interested in, that's a huge market for them. And so, but it requires you to understand, you know, the culture, to know the market, to know the people and to make adaptation to your products, which most of the big companies may not be interested in, which again, could be an opportunity. And so finding solution to the people. And one thing I discovered is this, you know, as we find solution to the poor, we have a choice yeah, to either make a lot of money or we can also reduce our price to even increase further our market share. And so again, you know, you can providing the right solution, you can reach out to a big market and then you have a wonderful you know, choice in the sense that you can maintain your profit or you can reduce your profit margin and increase your market size and serve more people. So Suparno, I know that something you care a lot about is your work at Crown Financial. You're on the international board there. And two of our marks of being a faith-driven entrepreneur are joyfully generous and then also the concept of stewarding versus owning. 
Can you talk a bit about the role that you play or what you see really with Crown Financial, particularly in Indonesia? So you've got this emerging consumer economy. If you haven't been in Indonesia, one of the things you'll notice is that there are a tremendous amount of malls. And yet Crown Financial and your work there talks about this increase of consumerism, which on one hand is an investment opportunity, but on the other hand, if misplaced, might create some real financial strain. So tell us about that and how you process the biblical message of generosity in life. Yeah, in Crown, I think there is a fundamental lesson is the lesson about ownership. You know, who is the owner of our resources, our time, our talent? Yeah. So in Crown, we believe that everything belongs to God and God is the owner. And that is so important. I remember doing an event when I was first appointed as Crown representative. I was supposed to go to uh, like Surabaya, which is the second largest city in Indonesia. Mm-hmm. And my assignment there is to get 500 pastors to attend the first night catalytic event and 500 businessmen to attend the second night event. Okay. And so I remember going there three months before the event and waking up in the middle of the night, 3 a.m., you know, with cold sweat. I was thinking, mm. oh dear, I do not know anybody here in Surabaya. How am I going to get 500 pastors for one night and 500 business people for the second night? And I remember understanding about the ownership and God telling me, okay, this is my ministry. You know, what I want you to do is to be faithful but just leave the things to me, you know, the things. Uh, and, and so I acknowledged that this is his ministry and I went back to sleep. But throughout the next three months, I was faithful. And at the end of the day, we had a thousand pastors attending the conference and 1,200 business people attending the conference. Wow. And so understanding about ownership, I think it's so, so important. I can tell many, many stories about how that has affected, you know, improved my health, that we do not have to worry because we can pass things to God, say, hey, God, this is, this is your part. Yeah? This is something that I'm not able to do. This is your ministry. This is your business. And then seeing how God takes care of it. But at the same time, we've been the faithful stewards. And also there's times when we couldn't make decisions and going to the master, going to the owner and say, okay, this is your business. I do not know how to make decisions on this. You know, please let me know as your steward what to do. So understanding ownership, I think is so, so important. But many times people stop at that and basically leave everything to God. So we also need to understand what is our role. Our role is to be faithful stewards not just in the little things, but in all things. If I have time, I could tell a little story about that. There's one guy that called me all of a sudden, you know, about 12 years ago, or 15 years probably. Anyway, so this guy came to see me. He said he was in debt for about 1,500 US dollars. Okay. So I asked him, what is your salary? He said his salary is about 200 something US dollars per month. Yeah. So I calculated, wow, it'll take you about eight months, seven, eight months, you know, if you do not eat, do not do anything just to repay the credit card. And that's without interest. And so I asked him, how long have you worked for the company? He said, about three years. I say, what was your starting pay? He said, you know, just a little bit lower, but he hasn't really got too much pay increase over three years. 
So I asked him, does your boss like you? He said, no, my boss is terrible. You know, he, I'm a university graduate, but he treat me like, like I'm like a high school graduate. And so his boss, according to him, give him like minor things to do. Okay, so what happened was that I told him, this is a few things that I want you to do. One is I want you to write down all your expenses, everything that you spent in the month. And so I'll meet up with you one month later. And second, this is what I would like you to do. Whatever your boss asks you to do, no matter how low or how menial it is, to do it as unto the Lord, you know, do it gladly, do it happily. And so the third thing I told him is, I want you to learn new things, you know, every day. Okay. And so one month later, when I met him, he showed me what he has been spending. And this guy goes to like Starbucks three times a week. And uh, so he would spend like 40000 which is about uh, $3. And so I told him, hey, you know, you're spending like close to 10% of your income on uh, Starbucks. He said, yeah, those are small money. But when we accumulate them, it becomes a big money. You know, I show him the compound interest. After how many years he can buy a small house with it, he was quite shocked. And so he learned the, about being faithful with the little. Yeah. And then I asked him too, how is your relationship with his boss? He says, actually, now his boss is looking to him happier. You know, I say, what happened? He said, I just follow what you said. You know, whatever he asked me to do. As long as it's legal, you know, I just do it gladly as unto the Lord. And so I didn't see this guy for another three years. And three years later, I met him and he was very happy. He said, hey, Suparno, I got to share this good news with you. I say, what happened? He says, now instead of like, you know, 18 million rupiah, or like we said, 1,500 in debt, now he has about uh, 6,000 US dollars in deposit. I say, mm. well, that's wonderful. I say, what happened? He said, yeah, you know, I began to be very aware of all the little things, you know, knowing that they accumulate into big things. And secondly is uh, my salary has increased about five folds. You know, previously he was earning about $200 per month. Now he's uh, getting about uh, $1,200 yeah, per month. And I asked him again, what happened? Yeah, he said, you know, I've uh, been learning new things every day. You know, I've since the last three years, I've taken three diplomas, you know, taken some certification. As a result, my boss seeing the new attitude that I have has been actually very nice and kind to me. He has put me in various committees. I've got uh, three or four pay increase and promotion and so forth. Yeah, so actually learning about being faithful with little, including, I mean, with all, including little, is, becomes very, very important. And this mm -hmm. is one of the lessons that we are teaching at Crown Financial Ministry as well, so that people would be faithful stewards of what God has entrusted to them. Thanks for sharing. And this is really ties into the mentoring work. Uh, that you're doing with younger people. So just, yeah, that's just really encouraging and that you could see the fruits as well of the change in his life. So we're going to go into what we call rapid fire. So just a couple of questions, Asupana, that we're going to ask and we're going to get quick responses. So literally the first thing that comes to your mind and just keep your um, response like 10 seconds. So I've got three questions. Uh, Henry, we'll probably have two or three questions and then we'll wrap up going back to God's word and just what he's speaking to you on. So I'll fire away. And then I'll pass it over to Henry. So what is your favorite holiday spot in Indonesia? Bali. Hey, we all love Bali, especially Australians. Okay. Um, favorite Indonesian street food? Satay. 
So good. Okay. I can't wait to try um, actually Indonesian satay. And what gives you joy? Uh, seeing people grow, seeing people becoming, you know, more like Christ. Uh, you know, when you mentor young people and you see them grow, that's really joyful. Thank you. Over to you, Henry. Okay. So I'll go back to the food. Rundang or durian? Uh, both. <laughs> Smart man, smart man. Okay, so uh, Italy or Bali? Uh, well, I would say both as well for different occasion. You know, you cannot go to Bali every time. And likewise, you cannot go to Italy all the time as well. It's just too expensive. So, yeah. so uh, that's why my daughter's wedding, we're going to have both, you know, September in Italy, October in Bali. Okay, so you're hitting both. All right, well answered. Uh, lastly, in your experience in mentoring, what's a thing, and you could stretch it to two if you'd like, that can help entrepreneurs better incorporate their faith into their work? I suppose uh, one thing we have to be careful about is pride. Many times, you know, when uh, as entrepreneur, when we become successful, you know, we tend to forget about God. And that's why probably in the Bible, you know, the psalmist says, pray that he will not be too rich or he will not be too poor. Yeah, I, Especially for me in the commodity business, like this year is a very good year. So our share price is all going up. We're making lots of money. And sometimes you tend to get a bit, you know, you get prideful. Yeah, so pride, uh, we don't want to be someone that God opposes. So pride. And second, for young people, I always advise them, to be focused, uh, to be detailed. You know, for example, there may be two young people. One may think after two weeks uh, that he knows everything. Another one would just dig deeper and try to understand more. After two years or five years, the guy who is more detailed, the guy who is more in-depth, he'll become the expert, the authority. Whereas the person who feels that he knows everything after two weeks or one month, they would probably still be very shallow, yeah, just touching the surface. And I think many young people these days, they tend to be, you know, jump here, jump there. Then. So it's important for us to know how God has gifted us and to use that gift intentionally and to use it well and to use it faithfully. Great. Thank you for that. So um, just to close off this episode, can you share with us a verse or a chapter that, God's been speaking to you through? I've been looking into the body of Christ. So, you know, previously I apply it mainly in the church and in ministry. But this is something that I'm very excited about these days is, you know, teaming up with a group of international believers. You know, one thing is that, you know, as a body of Christ, we have the same goals, the same core values, the same purpose, the same CEOs, the same, you know, shareholders. <laughs> and so if we are able to, let's say in this particular case, there are, you know, Christian scientists, there are Christian people who do branding, there are people that do strategies and so forth. Yeah, So they want to come to Indonesia and to use this as a model. Yeah, So I was thinking if we can all work together, everybody contributing their parts, everybody playing their roles, we could be, you know, such a light to the world, you know, especially during this time when the world is so polarized and when everybody is just concerning about themselves. You know, if we can work together using all our expertise and use that to love our neighbors and to serve them, I think it'll be so powerful. 
Yeah, so I'm trying to apply this uh, concept of the body of Christ into businesses yeah, by teaming up with fellow believers, people who are good at various things and playing my role as their probably man of peace, as their networker, as their strategist here in Indonesia. Soprano, I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for the way that you loved on me and Luke and the Sovereign's team all those years ago, for the way that you pointed people at Resource Global and for KEA and for Crown Financial. Thank you for sharing your wisdom with great humility and great teaching today. And it's an honor to be in this movement with you. Yeah, our pleasure. It's always great to see you and uh, to fellowship again. Yeah, come over, Henry. And when I'm overdue. And Andy, yeah, yeah, the uh, our sate, rendang, durian, everything is waiting for you. Can't <laughs> We're wait. in. We're in. Thank you so much, Sopano. Take care. We are grateful for the opportunity to serve this community and have listeners tune in from over 100 countries. Entrepreneurship is often a lonely journey, but it doesn't have to be. You can find fellowship with other like-minded leaders by joining a foundation group. There's no cost, no catch, in person or online. You can meet an hour a week with peers in your area or on the other side of the world. You can also stay connected with us by signing up for our monthly newsletter at asia.faithdrivenentrepreneur.org. All this is made possible with the special help of our team and friends across the movements. Thanks to everyone leading entrepreneur groups and watch parties to spark this movement in your area. We are grateful for you.